it would be difficult for us to find more reasons to be grateful for an individual life. 92 years, nearly all of them healthy and full. Just shy of 53 years of marriage with Lillian. Children, grandchildren, great friends like all of you. He lived the life he called on uh, many of us to live. Be a steady pumper, he would say, not a gusher. <laughs> there are lots of things to give thanks for in Kenneth Hansen's life. By all accounts, it's also hard to be more grateful for a death. Ken had begun to sing, Lord, take me home. He took up singing towards the end of his life. I don't think this was a part of his earlier life, but this was his final song, Lord, Take Me Home. And Lillian, too, the most reticent to ask God for such a thing, eventually joined with him in his final prayer. Lord, take him home. And he died at home, cared for by the people he loved. This is also remarkable to me. I, I take it that Ken was known for being kind. I, I take it he had his moments of other things, but I take it for the most part he was known for being kind. But it seemed like his kindness increased toward his death. As his body shrunk, his heart grew larger. When in the times that I would visit him, I often found myself thinking about Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I don't think it's a given that this happens to us as we grow older. It seems to me to have been another sign of God's love working itself deep into his life, even at the end. We can give thanks for his life. On one level, we can even give thanks for his death. But we're here in a church funeral service because Ken Hansen was a baptized Christian. Because he believed himself to have been baptized into the death of Jesus as a payment for his sin and for the evil in the world. And he believed that he had been raised up with Christ to new life and that he would finally be raised up with him again. And this faith would receive all the credit for the goodness that Ken Hansen displayed in his life and in his death. As Paul was telling me, he would say, it's not me, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. If we're going to appreciate Ken, if any of us are going to fully appreciate him, give thanks for his life and his death, we must give thanks to God for his faith. This is a wonderful thing about a faithful Christian. At the end of their lives, they call on us. Are we living our lives before Christ? But there's another side to this for Christians. The world is seeking to make some kind of peace deal with death, as if it's a normal thing that we simply need to accept. There's this growing industry now of celebration of life planners who are taking the place of clergy and funeral directors. The newly designed ceremonies are meant to stay on a positive note. But think about what this does. All of this casts our grief and shock at death aside and seeks to pretend that these things don't matter. 
and our sadness is not real. And Christians sometimes contribute. We rush to positive thinking instead of allowing grief to do its work. Instead of allowing ourselves to be shocked and offended by the presence of death in a world that's created by our loving Father. We rush to positive anecdotes. I was sitting with Paul and Scott at the funeral home on Friday afternoon. They're having this discussion about things that would need to be taken out of Ken's name. All the changes that would need to be made to adjust to this new reality. And Paul described it, I I don't know if he remembers, but it was significant to me. He described it, a world without Kenneth. You know, this is what's so horrific about death. It seeks to make all of us disappear from the world. As if our lives only mattered for a short time and after that they matter no longer. But this is why the Christian story and the Christian view of death is so important. In the gospel passage we heard from John chapter 11, one of Jesus' friends has died, a friend named Lazarus. He's described to us earlier in the chapter the one whom Jesus loves. It's important here to have some familiarity with John's gospel because actually the author of the gospel too goes by a title, the beloved disciple, the one whom Jesus loves. You see, John writes his gospel in such a way that everyone who reads or listens to it will begin to believe they are the one whom Jesus loves. You are the one whom Jesus loves. You're the beloved. Lillian is the beloved. Ken is Jesus' beloved. This one, once Jesus arrives, he hears that he's ill, this one whom he loves. But when he arrives, he's already died. Martha, the sister, is angry and grieving. Death has taken her brother. It's tried to make him disappear from the world, a world without Lazarus, like a world without Kenneth Hansen. Jesus, too, by grief later in the story. You know, it would have been easy for Jesus to rush into the tomb and raise Lazarus quickly. Not to stop and sit with the sisters in their grief. Instead, even the incarnate Lord Christ stops to grieve first, to listen to them in their anguish. There's something here for us about discovering life in this world. It's going to be found through the willingness to follow Jesus through profound suffering and pain. If you want to find life, then you're going to have to follow Jesus through death. A willingness at death with tears in our eyes and faith in Christ at the same time. This is where you will find life. In the midst of their tears, Jesus speaks to the sisters of the hope of resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Ken Hansen did not make just this peace deal with death as if it wasn't a big deal. No, he trusted Christ, and this is why he could receive death. We're here because though Kenneth Hansen has died, in Christ 
he is alive. The raising of Lazarus is a picture of us of what Christ will do at the end of all things. He will raise the dead from their graves and he will transform them to be like himself. We weren't able to have Mr. Ken's body here with us. As we speak, it's being lowered into the grave. And after this service, the family is going to go by there while you're going to bricks and columns. And we are going to dedicate his body to the earth in the promise that at the end of all things, he will be raised up out of this grave. His body will be transformed like the risen body of the Lord Jesus. We can give thanks to God for Ken's life because his life was in Christ. We can give thanks for his death because it too was in Christ. But we're, but we're not to make peace with his death. Because he's not meant to remain in his grave. In Christ he will be raised up. Along with all who live in him. It's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.